welcome all you cool cats and kittens nah I'm just kidding I ain't gonna play that game although the Tiger King was was pretty freaking good I don't see um, how he's gonna prove his innocence but who knows supposedly there's another episode coming I know it's been a while since my last podcast but hey I'm back I'm ready to get back into things get into the swing of it a lot has happened since my last podcast. We've had markets crash, unemployment up to 6 million people, COVID-19. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to cover in a short amount of time. So first, what I want to do is talk about the coronavirus, specifically as a threat in the United States. And this time around on this podcast, I am a little bit more uh, organized. Uh got some notes going some stuff printed off so I can at least see where I'm going with it now the coronavirus itself in the United States really really quickly went beyond public health emergency mostly to a dire economic threat Um, it's kind of hard not to see why you know it led to governments to urge residents to stay out of physical stores work from home if they can everything to avoid restaurants and other in-person services not gathering groups of 10 or more. I mean, we got a lot of stuff that's changing the everyday status quo of American citizens. But in some ways, the situation is actually graver than just shutdowns, you know, spurred by public health concerns. In addition, you know, we got the supply of workers and goods falling. Demand has collapsed too. And people aren't spending enough to spur economic growth. Um, especially in areas, you know, of the country that really need it right now. Uh, ventilator, mass production, staffing grocery stores, there's a lot of demand, but not enough supply to keep up with it. Now, what I was talking about in the little intro there, jobless claims have reached literally unprecedented heights. This is something that has never been seen before this quick. The federal government has all honestly been collecting data on how many people apply for unemployment benefits since at least 1967, as far as my research has gone. Prior to this month, the worst week in history of this data came on September 18, 1982, when 680,000 people claimed unemployment. And the week ending March 28, 2009, it honestly came close to you know that market crash and housing crisis it topped the record with 665,000 now here's the kicker this is where things changed for us our generation the week ending March 21st 2020 those records were blown out of the water nearly five times higher than any other in history 3,283,000 new claims 3 million That's basically 3.3 million people out of work. Then a week later, this is even worse. And this is what I was talking about in a shorter period of time. 6.648 million new claims for the week ending in March 28th. So we got March 21st with 3 million. March 28th with 6.5 million. Nobody has ever dealt with anything like this. Now... I'm not going to get into it politically. That's not what these are for. I started this podcast just to talk about simple things, simplify it, especially investing. 
These podcasts are to teach you how to throw away your money and how to lose it quickly. Nothing else. But we need to look at a couple scenarios here, especially on the political side of things. Looking at the grander picture, okay, every media outlet, conservative, liberal, whatever the case may be, is so far on one side, nobody's looking at the center line. It doesn't matter who the president is, there has not been a single president that has ever had to deal with this many jobless people this quick, let alone on a health emergency, not a financial collapse caused by some Wall Street Gordon, you know, geckos or whatever you want to call them. This is from a public health emergency. That itself is unprecedented because You'll see news stories saying that our intelligence knew about this back in January, which technically, during the State of the Union in January, Trump did mention it, okay? But the fault lies on both party lines as American citizens for us putting the trust in China to share actual data with us and warning us. Instead, their usual CCP cover-ups, and they want to hide, you know, the crucial data, which, you know, whatever, we can work around that. We're a resilient country. We can figure shit out on our own. But back to our jobless claims in the economy. No other president in history has ever had to deal with this many unemployed this quickly based on a public health crisis. Now, it could be worse. Unemployment benefits and added $600 a week, right? They're extending unemployment benefits even longer now, too. So, you know, we got that. There, there is relief it's bureaucratic relief so it's not going to be instant automatically wired to your account at the push of a button but the fact of the matter is the amount of relief that is coming is unprecedented and it's quick 2008 it took over a month for people to receive it any sort of financial payment after they'd signed the documents after they started talking about it here we're talking about two to three weeks they're moving quick but you know when we go back and we look at even more data, in March, unemployment rate shot up to 4% from 3.5 in February, which that's back to what I was saying, the sudden rise. Now, it's somewhat moderately compared to what the unemployment claims data are showing, but uh, several economists, which I, I tend to follow a few from the University of Minnesota's Aaron uh, Storner and Yale's Paul Goldsmith, they built a model predicting unemployment claims and discovered through their research, this is the best part, that the correlation between Google searches for filing for unemployment and ultimate unemployment claims data is absurdly high. So essentially, they looked at the analytics and they found out what people were searching and it turns out people are searching file for unemployment. Usually, you know, they'll put their state with it so they can find the information there. But one way to understand what's happening now is by an analogy. And not to a prior recession. We cannot compare this to a prior recession. None have really hit this hard. And back to what I was saying, this is suddenly. But to a natural disaster. In a way... The coronavirus is a natural disaster. You can see parallels if you look at economist Justin Wolfer's uh, data, you know, what happened in Louisiana. 
In 2005, Louisiana was abruptly affected by Hurricane Katrina, right? And the subsequent bungled federal response, the hurricane physically destroyed thousands of businesses. I mean, really large number of people from their homes and to relocate. About 1.1 million people left Louisiana in the aftermath of the storm. They really honestly struggled to recover. Unemployment benefits claims shot up to record levels, hitting a peak of about 73,000 for the week ending in September 17, 2005, which that's way far above than the Great Recession peak for the state. Um, in 2008, it was around 28,000. So you can see how close this is to being considered a natural disaster versus just a regular recession. More jobless claims and the economy is not really moving. One in three Americans have said that their household member has been laid off or had their pay cut. One in three. Now, of course, they didn't ask every single American when they do these surveys, but based off of the survey, that is a shitload of people that got laid off. I mean, it's it's unprecedented. And I'm getting over being sick, so I'm going to take a drink of water. Bear with me. So, what does this mean for you? Well, unless you got money in the stock market, it really doesn't mean much, honestly. You either have a job or you don't. You either get more pay or your pay is cut. There's really not much in between. Relief is coming from the stimulus checks. There might be another round, but these podcasts were centered more around uh, financial trading and where to get started. So let's get back on track and get away from this coronavirus bullshit. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Like I said, this time we're going to talk about options trading. Uh, had a couple friends reach out to me again, kind of explain a little bit better. So in order for me to get more organized, I decided to write a bunch of shit down on some paper and print it out. And here we are. So if I let me see here, we got some information that I think would be good. Okay. What is an option? options trading you got put option and call option okay um, and this is all in the stock market this isn't outside of the stock market this has nothing to do with the cryptocurrencies or any sort of futures or anything like that but basically the simplest way I can explain this an option is a contract right giving the buyer the right but not the obligation to buy or sell an underlying asset a stock or an index at a specific price on or before a certain date. So I'm going to buy uh, Apple stock, 100 shares worth, let's say they're at $200, right? Now, I'm going to say that it, it's going to be at this price next Thursday. If it's at that price next Thursday, boom. We're golden, right? So listed options are all for 100 shares of a particular underlying asset. So I can't just do an options call for one, one or two shares. It has to be 100. An option is a security, just like a stock or bond, and constitutes a binding contract strictly defined by their terms and properties, just like regular stocks. Now, put options and call options, there are really only two kinds of options. Put options and call options. You're likely to hear those basically referred to as puts and calls. 
One option controls 100 shares of stock, but you can buy or sell as many contracts as you really want. Let's dive deeper into call options. Now, this is kind of what I do, uh, more or less. I don't really do puts too much, but I do buy calls. When you buy a call option, um, you're buying the right to purchase from the seller that option 100 shares of a particular stock at a predetermined price. So let's say we're going to buy Apple at a predetermined price, which is called the strike price. You have to exercise that call by a certain date or it expires. So to purchase that call option, you pay the seller a call fee known as the premium. And when you hold the call option, you hope that market price of the stock associated with it will increase in the near future. Um, why? I mean, it's if the stock price increases enough to exceed the strike price, you can exercise your call and buy that stock from the call's seller at the strike price. In other words, at a price below the stock's market value. So if the stock goes up to 250 and I did it for 200, but it goes past it, we're buying it for 200. Then you can either keep the shares, which you obtained at a bargain price, or sell them for a profit. But what happens if the price of the stock goes down rather than up? You let the call option expire and your loss is limited to the cost of the premium. So you're not going to necessarily, unless you're doing margin trading, which is basically, hey, I'm going to buy these on a margin. It's almost like a loan in a sense to where if you don't have that money accessible in your account and you lose on it, you're going to go negative. Very rare, but it does happen. Now, put options. This is kind of, in a way, like calls, but like I said, I mostly deal with calls personally. Um, when you buy a put option, you're really buying the right to force the person who sells you the put to purchase 100 shares of a particular stock from you at that strike price. Now, remember that strike price we talked about earlier. And if it does... Um, well, when you hold the put options, you want the stock price to drop below the strike price. So the strike price is what it's, again, if we're saying it's going to go 200, but it goes 250, the strike price is 200. Um, but when you want it to go uh, below this, the strike price, if it does, the seller of the put will have to buy the shares from you at that strike price. So we bought Apple at 200. It drops down to 150. They're buying that from you at 200 because that's what the strike price was, which will be higher than the market price. Because you can force the seller of the option to buy your shares at a price above market value, the put option is like an insurance policy against your own shares losing too much value. It's, it's pretty sweet. If the market price itself goes up instead of down, your shares will have increased in value and you can simply let the option expire because all you'll lose is the cost of the premium you paid for the put. Use Robinhood and there's no premium. Um, but, you know, purchasing options can give you a hedge against losses and in a sense, really, they can be used conservatively. But there are many option strategies that amount to little more than gambling and can increase risk in, uh, exponentially. I mean, it is borderline gambling. Unless you have some sort of insider knowledge or you're really good at knowing what a company does when they do it. For instance, buying Apple um, Apple options, uh, call options, right before an iPhone gets unveiled, but you've seen some leaks. Hey, this new iPhone is going to have four cameras. Okay, I'm going to buy some call options, and I think their stock price is going to go up to 250 
or let's say it's at 250 I think it's gonna go to 300 it goes above 300 boom um, you get the profit from that but again it's not guaranteed you buy those and nothing happens or it's against what you were hoping for you lose out on that you don't it expires um, so realistically exercising it you know it's it can be difficult but one simple example kind of is the sale of um, uncovered calls because remember when a call is exercised stock must be delivered by the seller of the call so if you've sold that call on stock you already own the call is covered by those shares and your cost has already been incurred if the option is exercised you'll simply deliver those shares to the option holder but if you sell an uncovered call meaning we never bought shares of Apple and you don't yet own the stock your potential for loss is unlimited if the option is exercised you'll have to buy those shares on the open market to cover your obligations so let's say we did an option trade with 500 shares of Apple but we don't own any Apple shares if it gets exercised we have to go buy 500 shares of Apple so not only did we just buy 500 contracts we have to go buy 500 shares at whatever the price is to cover it um, no matter how high that price may be at that time if a strong market advance or a major announcement you know you kind of have that idea keep an eye out when technology is released I think we're kind of in a good spot so let's let's just recap really quick you have call option I think it's gonna go to it's at 200 right now I think it's gonna go to 250 okay cool it goes past that boom profit put option I think it's gonna go below that it goes below that boom profit worst case scenario you sign up you get your account you say hey I want 100 contracts of Apple and I'm gonna put a put a put and I'm gonna have it expire next Thursday well if somebody exercises that put or it expires at that point you need to cover the contract share amount and actually purchase 100 shares of Apple so be careful with it this is what I was saying this podcast is literally designed to help you lose money based off of options trading we are literally unprecedentedly ready to lose money together sorry like I said I'm getting sick so I gotta get some water going um, one more thing I want to say about the economy and where we're at with coronavirus and and what's going on um, you know I think we're gonna reach probably close to 10 million unemployment claims I really I really think so essentially people aren't done filing for unemployment I mean I would be really surprised it didn't hit double digits I mean Goldman Sachs is forecasting 15% alone um, and Chase is uh, JP Morgan Chase is predicting 20% or higher so the current Bureau of Labor and Statistics em employment report covering March already shows an increase in unemployment by 4.4% but shutdowns only 
started in the last two weeks. So it'll take a little bit longer for that to show up in the actual data. So relief is coming. Be careful in the stock market. This is the perfect time for this podcast to come out because we are in a holding pattern. You're going to get a stimulus check. Why not blow it on some options contracts in the stock market? Robinhood is free. Webull, W-E-B-U-L-L is free, but I hate Webull. It's just for new people, it sucks. Um, you know, it's it's just different. The other fucked up thing is the federal government right now is not wanting to step on the Constitution. They're not wanting to turn it upside down. They don't want to do martial law. They don't want to do a mass shutdown. They're leaving it to the governors to do that. But none of the fucking governors are on the same same page. One governor does this, and two weeks later another one does that, but by then it's too late in a certain area. Just be mindful. Keep a six-foot distance. Wash your fucking hands. Don't touch your face. Don't cough on anybody. It's very simple to do, and you'll be fine. Um, it, it's the, the scary part is we could already have it. We could have already had it and would never have known. So we could have spread it as well. You know, I, I think it's something to be mindful of for sure. But any other stock questions, feel free to get a hold of me. You know how to do that. Um, and we can go from there. But other than that, I really appreciate you guys stopping by for the average Joe talk show. You guys have a good one. Stay safe. Be healthy.